Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we are going to be addressing the question, did John Calvin murder Michael Servetus? Setting the stage for this play, we're about mid-1500s, Geneva, Switzerland. Geneva is a Protestant state who has broken ties with the Catholics. This is during the Protestant Reformation. And Geneva is ran by a god king, John Calvin. John Calvin. True, he's not a quote-unquote, citizen at the time of this affair, but his works, Institute for a Christian Religion, has been declared by Geneva as God's word. You couldn't argue with it. It was against the law to criticize John Calvin's work. And so John Calvin also had rewritten their laws. So the man who rewrote their laws is their head preacher, and his word is declared infallible? Hmm... Yeah, I think he has a little bit of power. I think he's a god king in this society. So John Calvin, he's up against this Servetus guy. Servetus is a competing theologian. He's about 42 at the time, and he's living in France under assumed identity because France is still controlled by the Catholics. And the Catholics like to kill people for heresy, which is not a Protestant value. In Protestantism, Death for heresy is not a known thing. And so that's what makes this entire affair very particular because Calvin is bucking the entire tradition of Protestantism in just exiling heretics rather than killing them. Geneva doesn't have laws against heresy. Geneva has laws against blasphemy, and the penalty for blasphemy is expulsion. And John Calvin was involved in writing those laws himself and had argued in Institutes for the Christian Religion that death or heresy shouldn't be a thing. And so keep those factors in mind when, when, we're, when we're talking about this. Servetus, he differed with John Calvin on a couple key, quote-unquote, key doctrines. I put them in quotes because they're key doctrines. One was about their take on the Trinity. And you might think, oh, Servetus just denied the Trinity. He didn't know what he was talking about. And he just said, oh, no Trinity. Well, well, not quite. Not quite. We actually have his writings. And I, I quote his writings. And I say basically in one of my articles, he's basically a Calvinist. Servetus and John Calvin are having a dispute about metaphysics. Neoplatonist metaphysics is what they're arguing about, which leads to Calvin killing Servetus because of Calvin's megalomania. And so here's, <laughs> tell me, tell me, does this sound like uh, John Calvin wrote this himself or does this sound like Servetus? For in himself, God is incomprehensible. He can neither be imagined nor understood nor discovered by thinking unless you contemplate some aspect in him. And remember, this is the incomprehensibility that the Neoplatonists would like to ascribe to God. God can't be known in any positive respect. And what Servetus did was he was a more consistent Neoplatonist, better than Calvin was. And he said, because God has these attributes of timelessness and simplicity and, and unchanging and unknowability, Jesus couldn't be the same as God. Yes, Jesus is the Son and there is this unity, but because of these Neoplatonic attributes in the Godhead, they couldn't quite be the same. Here's what he says. There was then an oracle of hypostasis of God, a person of Christ, the divinity which was a son to God alone. Yet to us, Christ alone is called son. The being was future to us, but to God, nothing is future. 
There was in God the very image of a being that to us was future, as if now I saw in a mirror a being that is not, but will be tomorrow. He goes on to say, The glory of the Father is in his spirit, to as much more exponential degree than the light can appear in his face. It would then dim his manifold fullness of deity to contend with a mere union with a second being. Nor can this be done unless you make the Son separate from the Father or remove the Father from Christ. For there is in him nothing that can be called Son, save the Father himself alone. Therefore Christ is called the Son and the Father is called the Son. If you're familiar with Augustine's writings on the Trinity, it sounds the same to me. You read them. And Augustine was basically saying Jesus was like a manifestation, kind of like the dove was a Holy Spirit um, during Jesus's baptism, where it's just a creaturely body that's in eternal motion. Because since Jesus grew old and changed and talked, he couldn't actually be God. He's just a, a, a puppet creature. He's some sort of avatar that God's controlling. And th- this is what the hypostatic union is all about, although they don't want to admit it. So Servetus and Calvin had a disagreement, and it was about Neoplatonism. They're both trying to out-Neoplatonist themselves. And so this is what leads to Servetus' death. It's quite ironic, actually. So Servetus had some private correspondence with Calvin, and Servetus was trying to publish his magnum opus. So Servetus sends letters to Calvin and his his work to a printer. The printer is an associate with Calvin. The printer sends Servetus' writings to Calvin as well. Calvin then turns around and sends them to the Catholic Inquisition because Calvin wants to murder Servetus. So Servetus then gets wrapped up in this Inquisition where the Catholics come and they interrogate him. And he's living under assumed identity at that time. And he denies it's him. He denies he's Servetus. But then Calvin gives his personal correspondence in in Servetus's own handwriting to the Inquisition so that the Inquisition can kill Servetus. Are you guys following what's happening here? Calvin is actively trying to get Servetus killed by the Catholic Inquisition. That itself is attempted murder. Servetus flees. He flees to Italy. And then... In 1553, he ends up in Geneva, most likely to confront Calvin over personal correspondence from Calvin being given to the Catholic Inquisition. He wants to confront this guy face to face. Calvin recognizes Servetus. They had gone to school together. He recognizes him, has him arrested on a Sunday, which is illegal in Geneva. You can only be arrested on Sundays in Geneva for a capital crime and heresy wasn't a crime, and blasphemy, what the maximum punishment for that was exile. So there's no capital crime committed. Calvin extrajudiciously gets Servetus arrested in order to kill him. It goes to trial, it goes to a town council, layman, a church council, and Calvin personally argues that the, the punishment needs to be increased to the death. He gets that passed. He gets uh, Servetus convicted of death, and Servetus was denied his appeal. Servetus was not allowed to appeal to lawyers who understood the law and who would have most certainly let him go. Because prior to this time, no one had been executed for blasphemy and heresy wasn't a crime. So this is new in Geneva, Calvin's murdering of Servetus. And after the fact, Calvin goes back and he changes Institutes for the Christian Religion. He changes that book to meet 
his new ideas. Now it's fine to kill heretics because he just did that. He used his personal vendettas, his megalomania to kill servetus. Yeah, it's, it's all pretty sick. Calvin is a disgusting individual. These Calvinists who are defending him are disgusting individuals. They don't understand history. They don't understand what's going on. And they make all these weird appeals. Oh, that was normal at that time. It was not normal, not in the Protestant church. It not, wasn't normal in Geneva. It was extrajudicial. It wasn't according to the laws. Heresy wasn't a law. And blasphemy, the maximum penalty was exile. Calvin used his personal influence to get Servetus killed. And he gloated about it afterwards. He actually wrote a defense of killing Servetus after the fact. This is not defensible. This is not defensible. Now let's turn to our good friend Tim Challies. And we have a podcast responding to him on his article on open theism. And my takeaway from that is he's a very superficial, low-level thinker. He's a huge tool. And that really comes across in this article as well. Let's go look at what he writes here. Oh, Michael Servetus. Michael Servetus was a Spanish theologian and physician who lived from 1511 through 1553. Yeah, at which time he was murdered by John Calvin. In his early years, he came into contact with many leading reformers, which is why Calvin recognized him to get him arrested. And while he broke with the Roman Catholic Church and became at least nominally Protestant, he adopted a particularly heretical belief, denying that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. You don't know what you're talking about, Tim Chalice. You're an idiot. Let's go read Michael Servetus. Finally, I exhort you here to tremble when you deny Jesus Christ and consider with what power and emphasis of the words John said, whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him, and he in him. And whoever shall believe that Jesus is the Christ is the begotten of God. And he, who is he that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you shall have eternal life in his name. What shall I say more? All the words of Christ tend to this end, that they might all believe that he is the Son of God, might trust in his salvation. And this is to me the chief foundation, for Christ is to me the sole master. Christ first preached the gospel. In his words I see the whole teaching of the apostles shining forth. All the preaching of the apostles in the Acts aims at this very point, that they might persuade men that this Jesus visibly shown to them is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior. Tim Chalice, you don't know what you're talking about. You are a moron. And you're writing articles. You're writing articles as if you have some sort of subject matter expertise. This is it's pathetic. His books on Christian doctrine were read and examined by the Catholic Church because John Calvin sent it to them in order to kill Servetus. And he was condemned as a heretic by the Catholics who were killing Protestants. And he was arrested, tried, and sentenced to death. Yeah, because of Calvin, but managed to escape from his captors. He fled towards Italy, but for an unknown reason decided to pass through Geneva to confront Calvin because Calvin sent personal correspondence, which should have been privileged communication, which friends don't try to get the other friend killed by taking their personal letters and sending them to people who are going to kill them. Servicis' decision to stop in Geneva 
is in no way innocent. Some have suggested that he arrived in Geneva almost by accident, but this is not true. He was clearly hoping to exert influence over Calvin to convert him to his errant understanding of the Trinity. Oh, I'll just, oh, he, he came there to try to talk to Calvin about doctrine and theology. Oh, that's not innocent. It wasn't innocent at all. That was, that's so malicious. That's so bad that he wanted to try to talk to someone. Maybe he's confronting actually his accuser. But even if he's showing up there to convince Calvin through debate, through discussion of his views, that's malicious. That's that's in no way innocent. Tim Chalice, you're a huge tool. You're a huge tool. Servetus's reputation preceded him, and Calvin and the other reformers knew of his heresies. Yeah, because they're the ones who exposed him to try to get him killed. Calvin had earlier written a now infamous letter to Farrell, dated February 13th, which said, Servetus wrote to me a short time ago and sent a huge volume of his dreamings, blah, 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 blah. And if he come, I will never allow him, supposing my influence worth anything, to depart alive. Oh yeah, because Calvin wanted to kill him and had tried to in the past. A demonstrable history of trying to kill Servetus. When Servetus at last arrived in the city, Calvin was left with the inevitable position of having to decide whether to allow the heretic to continue his teaching in Geneva, which he didn't do. He didn't teach in Geneva. He did not teach in Geneva. He was killed for a thought crime. He didn't, he didn't proselytize in Geneva. He didn't distribute literature. He didn't teach in Geneva. He was murdered for a thought crime. Tim Chalice, you fool, you're writing a terrible article, which would inevitably lead people to believe that the Reformed Church was lenient towards heresy. No, what they did in the past, Tim Chalice, if you did any research on this, is that they exiled heretics. They exiled heretics. That's what they did. Or they exiled blasphemers, but heresy wasn't a law. They extrajudiciously killed Servetus, Tim Challies, you moron. Skipping down there. Calvin found that he had little choice but to ask the civil authorities to intervene. Little choice? He could have let it go. He could have let Servetus confront him and let Servetus leave the country unharmed. Servetus wasn't there to stay log. He's not there to set up shop. Maybe, maybe if Calvin would have told him, I'm going to kill you if you stay here, he would have left. But no, Calvin identified him, turned him over to the authorities, increased the penalty to execution, made sure that Servetus could not appeal the trial and decision, and made sure that Servetus was killed. And then he gloated about it. Tim Challies, you fool. Calvin had no political authority whatsoever, except for having been declared by the government to be infallible, his Institutes for a Christian Religion and also having written the laws, and actually having enormous political influence. Enormous. He wrote the Geneva Confession of Faith. He wrote it for them. He was a main player. He was the head guy. He was their main preacher. This was the man. They consulted churches in Geneva and elsewhere in Switzerland and found that this was a matter worthy of trial. Did they? Did they? The trial was lengthy and deliberate. Servetus was eventually found guilty and condemned to be burned at the stake, despite Calvin's request to be executed painlessly by beheading. Oh, Cal what a humanitarian Calvin was. He wanted him to be killed a different way. He said, this guy disagrees with me, um, but he didn't voice any disagreements while here in the country under whose laws were executing him. And uh, I know he's just been here for a day, and uh, 
that we've never executed anyone before for heresy, but yeah, we'll go ahead and execute him. But uh, let's make it less painful. What a humanitarian, Calvin. Calvin, several months later, the Catholic Inquisition in France executed him once more, this time in effigy. Oh, those Catholics wanted to kill him too. Oh, so that makes it okay for Calvin to kill him because those Catholics have a good history of executing the right people in the right circumstances. Tim Challies, you are the biggest tool I have ever seen in the world. What is this? It's pretty obvious from this article. Tim Challies doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just emoting about things that he, he he's done no research. He's got like Wikipedia level research on it. So that's why it's good to get maybe a book on the subject. And there is actually a literal book on the subject called Did Calvin Murder Servetus by Stanford Rives, Esquire. And this is very well documented, very strong in footnoting and referencing. And uh, sometimes it likes to bloviate about theological s- subjects, but it's it's very well sourced and it very well lays out the case why this is an extrajudicial punishment carried out by Calvin. And one of the prime sources that it turns to is this new individual that we're going to be introducing to this story, Sebastian Castello. Now, Sebastian Castello was a companion of John Calvin for a while. He was a prime proponent of religious liberty and free speech, limited government. He was a hero of limited government in this time of Catholic Inquisition. And he actually wrote after Servetus's execution about John Calvin and how John Calvin had bloodlust for Servetus. This is his experience with Calvin, that Calvin turned from someone who prior, when he first wrote the Institutes, he was against executing heretics, but because of his megalomania, because of his crazy psychoticness, he, he then turned to executing anyone who disagrees with him. He's a megalomaniac. And let's read this. Persons who are ruthless in an attempt to suppress the opinions of others are extremely sensitive to contradiction. Let's read that again. Persons who are ruthless in attempts to suppress the opinions of others are extremely sensitive to contradiction. This is John Calvin. He couldn't be contradicted. He had to be the God King. Thus, Calvin regarded it as a monstrosity unjust when the world at large ventured to discuss Servetus's execution because the world was outraged by this. This wasn't as Tim Challey says in his article, oh, this is common fare, everyone's doing it. The world is outraged at what John Calvin did, and John Calvin had to go and write a defense of his actions because this is how unjust and unpopular this was, that he has to defend what he's doing and why he's doing it. Thus, Calvin regarded it as monstrously unjust when the world at large ventured to discuss Servetus's execution instead of enthusiastically accepting it without other comment than it was a pious action most pleasing in the sight of the Almighty God. With perfect seriousness, the man who had just roasted a fellow man to death on account of a difference of opinion demanded sympathy not for the victim but for himself. If you could know, he wrote to a friend, of as much as a tenth of the invictiveness and onslaughts to which I have been subjected, you would feel compassion for me in my tragical position. On all sides, the curs are yapping at me. Every conceivable term of abuse have been showered on me. Even more fiercely than my papistical adversaries, I am attacked by those, his, his papist advers, uh, adversaries, the Catholics who he was conspiring with against Servetus, 
This guy joined forces with his bitter enemies to kill Servetus. On all sides, the curs are yapping at me. Every conceivable term of abuse has been showered on me, even more fiercely than by my papistical adversaries. I'm attacked by those in my own camp who are inspired with envy and hatred. Great was Calvin's exasperation when he found that, notwithstanding the text he quoted from the Bible and the arguments he votificated, he was not to get away unchallenged after the murder of Servetus. The neurotic irritability roused in him by uneasy conscience became intensified to panic as soon as he learned that Castillo and others and Basil were preparing a polemic against him. And so Castillo was the Christian who would go out and serve the poor in time of famine and in time of plague. John Calvin stayed in his house and said, it would hurt the church more for me to get sick and die. So I'm going to stay in my house. Castillo, uh, you go out, you go be the light to the world. I got my other things to do. John Calvin. So who am I going to side with here? I'm going to side with Castello, Servetus, Logic, Reason, or the mass-murdering megalomaniac Calvin, who in his own words, he gloats. He gloats in his treatise about killing Servetus, and he derides those who critique him. Let's read Calvin. Here's Calvin reading in his defense of killing Servetus. He says, Many people have accused me of such ferocious cruelty that I would like to kill again the man I've destroyed. Not only am I indifferent to their comments, but I rejoice in the fact that they spit in my face. This is John Calvin rejoicing in killing Servetus. And Voltaire dug up a letter also by Calvinists doing the same thing, claiming action and credit for the murder of Servetus. And Calvinists say, oh, Voltaire's untrustworthy because he didn't like Christians. Well, guess who he did like? Oh, Sebastian Castello. Okay, yeah. So Voltaire writes against Calvin as well. He found a letter of Calvin also taking credit for the murder. This is John Calvin. This is the person these Calvinists defend. You'll point to his uh, treatise in defense of killing Servetus. You'll point to the public outrage. You'll point to the laws at the time. They, nothing, nothing will take. They, they, they can't comprehend it. They don't internalize the evidence. And they'll still defend him of charges saying, oh, no, he didn't kill him. And then they, they'll say stuff like, well, if he did kill him, uh, Servetus deserved it. And on the same hand, on the same hand. And I got a meme pulled up. And this meme spurred a lot of conversation in uh, a Calvinist group. It says, when someone says Servetus was killed because of Calvin, they are ignoring Servetus was warned not to come to Geneva by Calvin, ignores that Geneva had blasphemy laws like France from which Servetus fled for his Arianism, which Servetus wanted to debate Calvin on, ignores that Geneva town council's refusal to reduce the sentence to, of execution to exile. Reduced! They increased it! They increased the sentence from exile to execution on behest of John Calvin. John Calvin made sure of that. Ignores Calvin not having citizenship in Geneva. He was a God King. He's a God King. Making his voice of little consequence. They're just, they're just making that up. They made that up. They pulled it out of their butt and then they threw it into a meme. It's a lie. That's saying that he didn't have influence in Geneva. He had massive, massive political sway. He is their God King. Ignores Calvin's attempts to have the sentence of burning by the stake reduced to beheading. Oh, I, we, guess what? Uh, Calvin murdered Servetus. Did you know he tried to murder him in a different way? I hadn't thought about that. Oh, that may, 
That's, that makes it okay. Oh, Calvin, what a what a good man you are. What a great guy you are, Calvin. You just you tried to kill your your opponents, your intellectual opponents, who had not spoken at all in the country under whose laws you're executing him. You're trying to kill him a different way. Oh, you are such a humanitarian, Calvin. Ignores Calvin's numerous attempts to convince Servetus to recant and flee Geneva. What? What? Ignores Servetus's refusal to recant his heretical views that he might flee. What? Ignores that anti-Trinitarianism is a heresy. What was his disagreement, meme maker? What was Servetus's theology such in such a way that it's distinguishable from John Calvin's views of the Trinity? Do you know? Do you understand the the details, the differences? I don't think you could know. I don't think you actually know. I don't think you could read Servetus and come to a nuanced difference of opinion between Servetus and Calvin on the issue because it's all Greek Neoplatonic metaphysics. They're the same person. They had this minor disagreement over minor Neoplatonist metaphysic is- issue, and that led to his death. So he's not anti-Trinitarianism. He's not an anti-Trinitarian. And th- this fact is, is so bad. It's like, John Calvin killed Servetus. And they're like, but did you know that Servetus was a heretic? He did. He denied the Trinity? Oh, I, I had not considered that. Okay, oh, you deny the Trinity. Yeah, you might as well just go kill him. You know, just, just kill them all. Just burn them to death, too, because... Set them on fire and just light up the skies. You might as well use them to light your coliseums at night in Rome uh, with those people denying the Trinity. That's what you do to people who deny the Trinity. You just murder a lot of them. Just kill them all. And uh, good point, Calvinist meme maker. You are such a great guy. I'm, I'm sure glad you shared this very informative meme with us that's not filled with abject lies. All right, so I took a lot of the main points that I've covered here, and I put them all in a little bullet point listing so that we could have an adequate response to this Calvinist meme that shows their true intentions. Calvinists are brutal people. They're uh, defending a brutal megalomaniac who was a murderer. If I was a Calvinist, what I'd do is I would say, you know, he might have been a terrible person. I'm going to wash my hands of him. But look at his actual theology. Look at his arguments he's making rather than him as a person. And some of them do that. They'll say, why are you attacking Calvin? Uh, we should be talking about his doctrines. Okay, uh, disclaim Calvin. Tell, tell me he's a murderous a psychopath. And then we just go on with this conversation. But don't pretend like he's this great person who's a moral paradigm of virtue. He wasn't. He was scum. He was the scum of the earth. So here's these points. One. Heresy was never established as a crime in Geneva. The crime of blasphemy, not to be confused with heresy, has always been punished with exile in Geneva. Two, Calvin, when the Catholics had power, argued heresy was not a death penalty offense in his institutes. After killing Servetus, Calvin revised his stance, and and he wrote the defense of the Orthodox faith in the sacred trinity, and then he edited out in the new editions of his institutes his earlier positions. Three, Calvin's companion, Castello, a person who knew Calvin, was horrified at Calvin's bloodlust against Servetus. Castello argued the above points, plus Castello argued for a principle of free speech. Four, Servetus did not write or speak in Geneva and therefore broke no laws in Geneva. He was a visitor 
punished for thought crimes. That will add to that, that he was arrested on a Sunday, which was illegal in Geneva because it wasn't a capital offense. Five, Calvin bragged about executing Servetus in his defense of the Orthodox faith and in a letter to Marquis Piet. Six, before Servetus was murdered, Calvin wrote to Farrell and Verret his intentions to kill Servetus. Seven, Calvin had godlike power in Geneva. In 1552, the Senate of Geneva decreed the institutes were God's doctrine. It was illegal to dispute them. Eight, testifying to his power, Calvin also personally had revised the Civil Code of Geneva and also the Geneva Confession of Faith, 1536. Nine, the court, this is a layman town council, originally was only considering exiling Servetus until Calvin appeared in court. Calvin convinced them to increase the penalty to death more than the maximum that the blasphemy laws allowed. Remember, there was no blasphemy in Servetus. He didn't, he didn't defame God's name or anything like that. As his actual quote-unquote crime was heresy, not blasphemy. 10. Calvin personally argued to the layman court that the Bible condoned putting Servetus to death. And Calvin had this intermediator as well because, because in Geneva, they had a convention where where if you accuse someone of a crime, you have to spend time in jail with them. So Calvin had one of his assistants write up the accusations so that that guy would be jailed so Calvin could go on preaching because Calvin didn't do his own dirty work because Calvin is a coward. He's a scummy human being. 11. Calvin also ensured Servetus would be denied legal counsel, which was the right of people from Geneva. 12. Calvin ensured Servetus's request for appeal would be denied, and thus denied Servetus's case to be heard by actual lawyers. He, he ensured that the case would only be heard by laymen, church councilmen. Calvin was a terrible, despicable human being, and he's just, just the scum of the earth. Tim Chalice is also scum, probably not as scum as Calvin, and Cal, other Calvinists who defend Calvin are also scum. <laughs> no debating that, no debating that. All right, if you have any questions or comments on this podcast, send that to godisopenquestions at gmail.com. A start uh, thread maybe on God is Open Facebook group. I put these these uh, this list out there on the God is Open Facebook group. Just feel free to add, or if you want to dispute any, come and try to dispute some of these points, and uh, we'll hear what you have to say. It'll be good. Thank you for listening.